We've all had experiences that change our mind about something that we used to believe. Uh, maybe small experiences that changed small, loosely held beliefs or assumptions that we had. And sometimes big experiences that totally unearth and change like fundamental beliefs that we had about how the world works. And Amanda's story is about one of those experiences. For her, it changed her mind about her faith. It made her rethink Christianity and religion and where God can be found. Amanda had what is often called a mystical experience, an experience of something that can't be put into words, uh, but radically shifts your whole understanding of life and for her, of God. And while these experiences are often life-changing in the good way, they're sometimes not the most pleasant because an experience that calls everything you know into question is like getting the rug pulled out from under you. You're left there with more questions now than answers. Questions like, do you accept this new experience and throw out what you thought you knew before? Or do you deny this experience so that you can hold on to your old ways of thinking? Or is there another way? Those are the kinds of questions that Amanda is faced with when she has this new experience. But first, let's start with where she came from. And that story starts with where her parents met. So my parents met at a Eastern European missionary class in at Wheaton College in Chicago. Okay. So even before I was a thing, they had already like formed that foundation. And so it was definitely like day one Christianity, you know, <laughs> yeah, day zero. Like it was, it was going to be embedded no matter what. Gotcha. So like me, she grew up from day one in a very religious and Christian household. But unlike me, when she was around three years old, her family, her parents and two older siblings, moved to Hungary to be missionaries. And I assumed this would be an exotic childhood, but she said she didn't experience it as that unusual. In fact, she really enjoyed it and has fond feelings towards this time in her life. And I asked her what one of those memories from growing up uh, in this time in Hungary was like in her household. We definitely would memorize Bible verses as a family around the table. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so it would be, you know, the, you say this phrase, you say this phrase, and then we're all going to say it together. And there was one that I'm going to totally butcher it, but it was the, the one that maybe a psalm, I don't even know. And there was one part about the devil, because it was like whenever you got to that point, it was like this, high energy like devil flee you know kind of oh there's like energy and in, in, in acting the right. verse nice i love it yeah, yeah so i wish i remembered the verse itself but yeah so amanda is growing up in this christian missionary household memorizing scripture verses and reciting them together with a family she's learning the ways and the beliefs of the tradition that she comes from but after several years in hungary her parents begin to have some marriage issues and they all move back to the U.S. Uh, where they later get divorced. And it's more of this time, not when they were overseas in a different culture, that Amanda remembers feeling more out of place and even some culture shock. Everything previous to that was this kind of amazing and positive experience, you know, just like this beautiful kind of immersed in the culture, very, very different lifestyle. And then suddenly 
in Austin with just like normal kids going to a normal church. You know, it was very different and very jarring, I think, on the system with now divorced parents who are going at it in lawsuits. Amanda graduates high school and then goes to college in L.A. at Loyola Marymount, a Jesuit school, and then comes back to Austin where she searches for a church community to get connected to. But after a couple years of trying to find a church that she enjoys without much luck, she gets connected to a different kind of community. And this community leads her to an experience that changes everything for her. So it all really got shook. (laughs) And I don't know how deep you want to go into this part of it, but it really got shook when I did ayahuasca for the first time. I love it. Yeah. So... Tell me all about it. (laughs) Um, I asked her to tell me all about it. But because the topic of mind-altering drugs isn't always met with openness, she decides to start the story over, thinking maybe she can keep it a bit more vague in case someone she knows hears this and doesn't approve. So it all... Okay, let's see. So really when my faith got totally shook up was the first time that I got integrated with the psychedelic scene here in Austin and trying out plant medicines because it's so hard not to talk like specific about it um so we workshop it again trying to find the right amount of vagueness that will hopefully minimize any backlash in case she's found out as a psychedelic drug user Okay, so I can totally say that. Um, or maybe I just say more of like plant, me- like keep it generic. I don't know. Some of that might be for you and what you, right. if you want to filter anything, please filter whatever you want. Okay, I think I can keep it kind of ish generic. I, the, the, whole, the whole walking this part of it is yeah. challenging. But okay, I'll say, I'll say it this way. So she tries to start the story again another time or two unhappy with how it sounds and unhappy that she feels the need to be so cautious. Because the thing, the thing that's interesting about this whole thing and is that you're walking the line between your parents, you know, hearing yeah. things that they, and I've, I'm slowly coming out to my parents about different things. Um, but it's also your future in-laws, right? <laughs> and all that, and walking that line. And I think this is where I think the conversation needs to be happening. We can't be skating over things that are like real in life. Like what, how do you integrate an ayahuasca experience with the Christian faith, you know? Um, So uh, maybe we should just record it all and then you could decide. She finally decides to just go with it, regardless of what parents or future in-laws might think. The moment that my faith really got shaken up was the first time that I had a hallucinogenic plant medicine experience. And I was in a place of fear. I was sitting outside alone. There were people near me, but it was like I was outside alone sitting by the fire. And there was this feeling of unsettling like almost like when you're a child and I definitely had this experience a lot as a child of like there's something in the room 
of like, what is that? You know, and you're like kind of hiding in bed and you, and you say your prayer, like, I am an, I'm a child of God, devil flee. You know, so I started saying that kind of prayer and it was like, you are in the presence of God. Like, this is it. So I've never done ayahuasca or hallucinogenic drugs or plant medicine because I'm a good boy, <laughs> but I am super curious and a bit jealous because she says that she knew she was in the presence of God. And I want more of those kinds of experiences. So I push Amanda to help me understand what this experience was like for her. Can you describe that, that feeling or experience? It really shook me because it was almost like this thing that you've believed in is different than you have been thinking about it. This thing that you've believed in is different than you have been thinking about it. I love that. Yeah, because I've had experiences, I'm sure we've all had experiences, that make us rethink things that we thought we were certain about. Like, I was taught this, or I've based my life on these assumptions or convictions, but then this happened. And now, what do I do? Do I try to ignore this new experience and hold on to my established beliefs? Or do I let this new experience change what I believe? Yeah, the thing that you've believed in is different than you've been thinking about it. This makes me think of stories in the Bible, like stories in the gospel about Jesus and how it was the marginalized, the non-religious, those who didn't know how things worked, who accepted Jesus. And it was the Pharisees, the ones who knew how things worked and insisted things fit into their box, who totally missed it. Yeah, the thing that you've believed in is different than you've been thinking about it. Yeah, this is why the mystics of all faith traditions have insisted that true knowing comes only through direct experience. They believe that reality, like at its deepest levels, can't be understood or known through the intellect, the rational mind. So it can't be taught with words and doctrines and scriptures. And if you cling too tightly to those kinds of things, you're more likely to miss the real thing. And tradition and scriptures and beliefs, they're helpful. They're often what we need to get started. But real knowing of reality or the divine or God can only come through direct contact. But then <laughs> to great frustration, when you yourself have your own transcendent experience, you won't be able to put it into words. What is the, is there some sort of internal dialogue happening in you as this is happening to you, in you, through you? <laughs> is there, is there any sort of like conflict that you're hearing different explanations of this while it's going on? How do you, are you trying to interpret it, trying to surrender to it? Like what's, what's going on in you? Because it sounds like it's a pivotal experience. Yeah, it was very pivotal. I think the thing is with plant medicines, it's less what's happening in the moment and it's more of the integration mm -hmm. because there's no way to fully explain what happens. Have you ever done? I haven't. Okay. 
So I think in general with plant medicines, it's like it really is less about that moment in time and but in more of what is it that you told yourself because of what happened and how are you taking that and integrating it into your day-to-day life? There's no way to fully explain what happens. Instead, it's about how you integrate it into your life. Yeah, yeah, this is why the mystics have always emphasized both direct experience and committing yourself to a tradition, a practice. You need direct experience because life can't be explained. The depths and the mysteries of reality can't be put into words for you to read or to be taught. You can only know through your own experience, so you need that. But then you need some way of integrating that experience. You need a way to take the ineffable, mind-boggling, transcendent experiences you have and let them somehow sink into your bones and into your being to let them shape you. And this is what religious traditions have historically been used for. They are rituals and practices and liturgies that are meant to help us meaningfully integrate our experiences into our life. Yeah, and so you can see how things can go wonky when a religious tradition tries to take the place of our own experiences and say, here's what you need to know, here's what you need to believe, full stop. You don't need your own experience, we'll tell you what to believe. Yeah, and then religion starts to worship itself. And that's when things can go sideways. And it can start to actually get in the way of our own spiritual life and formation. I think that a lot of people with the Christian faith and really religion in general, they use it as a way to process through what happens in life, right? And really, there's no way to process what's happening in life. There are no rules. No one can truly be labeled, right? We want to label things. And so we put these labels on things and we put these rules in place to like try to make a little bit more of a society uh, that's able, you can, you know, go through life easily. But in reality, it's all man-made. So there's to truly know who God is. Like, you know, the fear of God that they talk about in the Bible, like, okay, he came down and Abraham was hiding behind whatever, trying to get away from this power, you know, whatever. Well, it was that experience and it was like, wow, this is what they actually talk about. Like, this is the fear of God right here. What? Can you name something about what shifted from Amanda before and after that experience? I think initially it was really like processing through, well, what if there, what if what I've been feeling is different? Like, what if the, our perspective of Christianity is wrong? I don't think that Christianity is wrong. Like I do, I do genuinely relate to it and feel like my faith is no less now than it was before. I just think that it's different and I think it's going to be an individualized experience for every single person. It's different. It's individualized for every person. Okay, let's talk about orthodoxy real quick because there's this view of orthodoxy as meaning 
right belief. I mean, that's what the word means, orthos meaning right and doxo meaning belief. And often orthodox faith is taken to mean believing the right things. But the mystics, like Amanda is saying here, saw it a different way. They saw orthodox faith as believing not the right things, but believing in the right way. A way that leads to love and joy and peace. A way that is Christ-like. And this can be very different from orthodox as meaning believing the right things, because it's not so much about the right the, the things that you believe as much as what it's producing in your life. Yeah, and I think about many of the people that I know that really care about believing the right things are often the people that aren't the most loving or joyful or peaceful people that I know. But another way of measuring orthodoxy is about what it produces in you. And an orthodox person in that kind of view is not orthodox because of what they believe about the world, but because of how they exist in the world. So when Amanda says Christianity is individualized for each person, I think what she's saying is that this one thing, Christianity, can be very different for many people because it's not about everyone believing the same way or the same thing, but it's about how it moves you and transforms you, like a painting that has infinite interpretations. And many people can look at the same painting and all be moved by it in different ways. Yeah, how you view orthodoxy is based on how you view what religion even is, like what Christianity is. Is it a collection of ideas that you either accept or deny? Or is it a collection of people's responses to the divine mystery throughout history? Yeah, one view leads to trying to believe the right things and, you know, hold on to them and don't stray from them. The other view opens you up to have your own unique response and experiences and still be a part of the greater tradition. So the question is, what do we do with our experiences? Can we let them in? Can we let them shape our view of life and of God? Yeah, that depends on how you view orthodoxy, how you view your religious tradition. Is your subjective experience something that threatens your right beliefs? Or is it something that is vital to you believing in the right way? For me, one of those paths feels much more constricting and anxious and fearful. And the other feels spacious and curious and trusting. Yeah, how do we view our experiences? I think the more that we can become authentically ourselves out front in front of other people, these conversations will naturally start happening because we'll be less likely to put someone in a box. So like I came out and put, you know, a, this one Oracle deck that was like really changing my life. And it's been really interesting to like work with it for the first time ever and like start to tap into what that is. And for me, like every time I do it, I like pray. I'm like, God, if you're in this, like speak to me. I feel like you are. And if you're not, let me know kind of thing. And it's like, nope, you definitely are. So I think that posting that forced my mom to call me crying and, and be like, you know, this is happening, you're swaying. And for me to stand up and have that conversation with her, that's what 
cuts off the polarization on either side. I think she's right. I hope she's right. I hope having these conversations can cut off the polarization that is so common around differing beliefs and worldviews. Because we don't all believe the same things. And I don't think we're ever going to. I'm not even sure I would want that to be true if it could be. I used to want that. I used to want everyone to believe in the way that I did, what I believed was orthodox. But now that sounds more like a dystopia than a utopia to me. I now see more beauty in the diversity of experiences and beliefs and responses to the mystery of reality, the mystery of God that we live in. How could I ever expect someone else with a different past, different experiences, different parents, different culture, different biology, to have the same interpretation and response as me to something as complex as life or something as mysterious as the divine. I find it much more interesting and beautiful that we all have such different responses. We use different traditions to integrate and make sense of our experiences. We create different cultures to contain our traditions. Yeah, it's all so diverse and complex and I think quite divine. My hope is that in having these conversations, like between mother and daughter, or between friend and friend, or between people on a podcast, that we can open up to the fascinating ways that we all respond to our experiences of life and of the divine. I hope many of us still hold on to our traditions, that we'd stay committed to the religions and the communities that help us integrate our experiences and give meaning to our lives, but that we can do it in a spacious way, making room for others who do that with their own traditions and their own beliefs and interpretations. Sometimes I wonder if this is a fantasy. Like, are we doomed to constantly be dividing and violently fighting between whose God or tradition or scripture is correct? And maybe we are. And so sometimes I wonder if maybe we all need to do an ayahuasca trip. (laughs) And maybe we do. I don't know. But maybe conversations like this can help. Talking with each other with openness and curiosity. Not trying to convert each other, but listening and learning how each of us are uniquely responding to the same mystery that we're all living in. Because maybe we weren't given this precious life in order to find the one religion that is correct, but to find a meaningful way to respond to this gift of life whether you do that through the Bible or through tarot cards. We need to be having these conversations. Like, how do you talk about doing tarot cards and oracle cards and then also, like, read scripture in the same day? Like, is God speaking through all of these different things? And can we explore this together without feeling like, you know, the devil first has a toehold, then he has a foothold. Then he has a stronghold, right, that my mom told me. It's a slippery slope, Amanda. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, why? Why does it have to be a slippery slope to ask questions? So for you, is it having spaces where we can hear each other's like real story, what we're really experiencing and making room for these varied experiences that we all have? Absolutely. Holding space for one another's human side. I love that. Thank you, Amanda, for bravely and lovingly sharing your story. I hope you are finding ways of embracing your experiences, uh, ways of integrating them 
whether that's with the help of a trusted community or a therapist or your own practices and rituals or even a faith tradition. Yeah, for me, I'm trying to identify what things help me become more open and less anxious about new experiences that make me rethink things. I hope to become someone that welcomes those kinds of experiences with excitement. And speaking of new experiences, thanks partly to Amanda's story and a couple other friends that I've met who've been so profoundly impacted by ayahuasca. Ashley and I were in the process of signing up for an ayahuasca trip this year, and then we found out that Ashley's pregnant. <laughs> so, uh, so it's put on hold for now, and I'll just have to take Amanda's word for it, or lack of words for it, that it's indescribable. 